Welcome to the second season of the Call Her CEO podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Ted Rogers Student Society and highlights the experiences of female identifying entrepreneurs and senior business leaders. My name is Hassan Zamari, and I'm very excited to be hosting the Call Her CEO podcast this season. And I would like to welcome today's guest, Rochelle Dubois-Jackman. Thank you so much, Rochelle, for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to be here. And to just give a little intro on Rochelle. So Rochelle is the founder and co-chairman of the board at Girls E-Mentorship, also known as GEM. That's a top 100 rated charity providing mentorship to marginalized, racialized girls in the GTA. She's also an experienced senior political advisor and consultant and has private and public sector experience from France, the United Kingdom, Japan, and Canada working with organizations such as the United Nations, Bloomberg, the Ministry of Environment, and the Ministry of Economic Development and Trade. Rochelle has co-authored a peer-reviewed study with U of T on mentorship and regularly speaks on mentorship, social entrepreneurship, and women in leadership. She's heavily involved in philanthropic work, currently sitting on the McGill Women Leadership and Philanthropy Board, and donates her time to local and grassroots initiatives. Rochelle also holds a Bachelor of Arts from McGill University and a Master's in International Relations from the University of London. So that's a very impressive bio. Uh, And Rochelle, um, I just want to start off that I actually knew Rochelle because I was part of the GEM program, the Growthy Mentorship program, a few years ago. And that's why I knew I had to have her on the show because they're really doing amazing work. And so I kind of want to start off, Rochelle, what led to the creation of the GEM program and um, how was that process like for you? Yeah, thanks for the question. Um, you know, I didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to create a mentorship program. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, looking back, many events sort of happened to get me to a place where I felt that it was necessary to create something. And, you know, when I was in grad school and um, I, I was living abroad, I needed some career direction. I needed some advice, you know, what internships to take and where to go, what was my next step, advice on interviewing, for example. Anyway, long story short, I didn't have any connections, zero co- social capital in where I was living. I was living in the UK and um, my parents couldn't help me. They were in very different fields. And so what sort of transpired was we just happened to notice I was in a, um, a program that was male dominated. So lots of guys in the program, I was in war studies and um, they, a lot of them had mentors and they were getting these internships and they were just meeting these informal mentors for coffee. But these mentors were giving them advice and pushing them along in their career path. And none of the girls had mentors. And uh, we just thought that this was so unfair. And I mean, we're looking at the early 2000s. So it was not really common for women to mentor other women. It's not like it is today. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was so unfair. And a bunch of us got together and we talked about it and, you know, later just put it in the back of my mind, but knowing probably on some level that in the future I would do something about it. And so you fast forward, um, when I was at a point in my career that I could afford to give back and take a little bit of time uh, and to create something, that's when I wanted, I was so passionate about creating this 
mentorship culture in the GTA where it became so common for women to mentor other women and you know for a young woman to call up another person and say hi can I can I take you for coffee can I just pick your brain about what your career path and I thought that that would just be such a nice way to pay it forward and to change what was kind of happening um, at the time. So that's sort of what inspired Jem and then um, got together with uh, some incredible women to sit down and to work with a lot of uh, 20 girls actually and in Flemington and to design the program from there. That's great. And did you, what led to the the thought that, you know, this program would probably be more, more useful for high school girls right now than in comparison, for example, like post-secondary? Well, that's Okay, so two parts, because we're now um, getting into that post, we're, we're getting into the alumni, and we're, we're also helping alumni get to their first job and internships and that. But at the time, we wanted to look really at in high school, you're starting to design your career. It's the first, first step that you are creating your path to, to where you want to go. Some people nail it, and they know exactly what they do, they want to do, and they want to be that teacher, lawyer, doctor, whatever, name it. But other girls and, and, and young people have no idea. And that was my situation. Um, and you, you need that guidance. We thought targeting young women who are marginalized, who are most at need, who do not have the social capital to start those conversations and to have that mentorship at that point, that would truly, truly make a difference. Um, because in high school, you're mature enough to have to start to have these conversations. Junior school, it's, it's very young. Um, and we, we looked at that at one point and it was, it was not, I don't think it was going to be as, as useful as high school and then university college age. And those were going to be the great, the, the real change. Uh, you're going to witness that change at that point. Yeah, for sure. Like my personal experience with the gem was kind of very similar to what you're talking about. I didn't have, you know, any older sisters. I didn't have any women in the family who would be able to offer me that kind of career advice. And high school is a very sensitive time. You know, you yeah. feel all this pressure that, oh, I have to have my whole life figured out at this <laughs> point, you know, whatever <laughs> I pick, it's like all or nothing. Um, which obviously later on you figure out that no, you know, it's fine if you want to change those. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've personally seen a lot of people make dramatic career changes in co- in the COVID times, um, which is great to see, you know, people following their passions. But yeah, the GEM program for me was a way to, it wasn't just my relationship with my mentor, which was amazing, but being in these uh, spaces with girls mm-hmm. my age who also had the same questions concerns and also like these amazing women from like a variety of industries um who were just so willing to offer insight and to um provide some insight on on different career paths and also just personal um related issues like confidence and you know how to get over imposter syndrome and and things like that so um I, I've personally really saw the value in it. And every girl really that I've talked to that went through the GEM program has said like, like I've never seen anything like that. There are a lot of now um, mentorship programs that like compared to the, the early 2000s that you were yeah. talking about, but GEM is really much more advanced in a way that it, it addresses 
in so many different ways the, the issues that these girls are, are facing or the barriers that they're facing in their lives. And so what would you say would be the benefit for the mentors actually in participating in these kinds of programs uh, like GEM? Right. So, so the benefits to the mentee are obvious and we can talk about that, but the mentors, what we started to notice, we knew there's that sort of, it feels good and it's wonderful to give back. And the mentors, you know, the, the women who were signing up for the program wanted to pay it forward. So for various reasons. And when, when we started to ask them, they might have had a mentor, um, female or male, doesn't, doesn't really matter. And they wanted, they thought it was so uh, powerful and significant in their life that they wanted to provide that mentorship, or maybe they didn't have a mentor. So they came from different wants to the program and, or they became very successful and they're saying, I want to give back because I want to help the next generation. So there was all these different things, but one of the strongest pulls for them, um, or the results at the end, what we were finding was Mentors felt being part of a community of like-minded, successful women who wanted to give back and to create a culture of mentorship and to, um, you know, to, to be exposed to um, high school girls and to have that impact. That was why they were coming. They, they were, they it really sort of changed their lives in a way that we didn't really anticipate. Um, And that was, that's wonderful. And they felt that, you know, they were getting exposure to young women that they wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to. And these connections and these friendships started to bloom and blossom. And mentors were saying, Oh, I learned about this culture. And Oh, I, I learned to make this new type of food. And well, how beautiful is that? That was just, it was a spinoff that we didn't really, we didn't really think about when we were designing the program, but it became such a key takeaway for the mentor. So that, that felt really good. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I noticed in the various events that we had that, you know, the energy wasn't just high among the mentees, but a lot of the mentors had like no problem coming in on a Saturday yeah. To spend time with these girls, they were like genuinely excited and um, engaged in in the in the events, and that was great to see. And it is kind of full circle. I find like so I went through as a mentee in the program, but now um, as an alumni, I also mentor students in in university or who are coming from high school to the university. So I feel like it. it's it is that that full circle moment where when you have mentors. Um, and you've been giving, uh, you've been given that valuable advice and um, dedication and time. You're more likely to like realize the importance of it and want to give that back to someone else. And Absolutely. so, it, that continuous process is just could make a really big social impact. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I also saw that you did a lot of mentorship research, namely yes. some with with U of T. Were, were there any uh, like surprising findings from that research or how did that research kind of affect the development of the, the GEM program? So we've had uh, a, a very long-standing relationship with U of T and Dr. Michael Shire, who is in the Department of Social Work. And he's, he's amazing. And he really has been so supportive of our research. We wanted, when we first started GEM, we wanted to create it through a design thinking approach. Um, and at that time, you know, 
that was very unusual to kind of pitch that. And he thought it was very interesting because we were designing it around the needs of the girls rather than just saying, here, here's a program, uh, mm-hmm. take it and run. And one of the other things that we wanted to do was make it evidence-based. So everything that we were doing every year, we go kind of go back to the program and say, what can we do better? How can we get better results? How can we improve uh, the lives of young women? And so he was a part of this process. So we, the first publication, so we were published in the Children and, and Youth Services Review, and we were looking at social capital and, and the benefits to, to young women. So one of the things that we discovered was that social capital really improves uh, upward ro- social mobility. And um, it was really important. And, and the findings also suggested that we needed to create or more programming was needed in general to support not only marginalized youth, but in uh, marginalized youth in the pursuit of social capital, because that's what's going to help young women get in the door and get their careers and sort of uh, advance in their careers. So that was the, f- the first report. And now we're kind of looking at something very exciting, actually. It's, um, it's a customized mentorship model. So that again, evidence-based um, mentorship and, and looking at all of the research, we want to have the best. We're always wanting to create and and have the best mentorship program. We want to look at the latest research. We want to advance the latest research and we want to embed it into our program. So we're looking at this customized mentorship model and I'll just kind of explain really high level what that is. We're looking at teaching soft skills. So these critical competencies uh, or they're also sometimes called success traits Mm -hmm. um, as tools for improving outcomes of, of for youth, long-term outcomes. And these are things like that are not taught in school. So grit, uh, perseverance, resilience. And so how we're doing that, we designed with the U of T a way to measure all of these success traits. And these success traits have been kind of researched um, already, um, especially in the US. And so measure success traits for every single mentee before the program even starts. And so we're doing a lot of assessments because now there's 200 girls coming in the program every year yeah. and that's increasing. So we're assessing every single one of them and where they fit on the scale, um, where they are weaker, where they are stronger, and then providing reports to the mentor before the program starts. Here, these are the areas that we think we your mentee is weaker in based on what she's told us. And these are some of the tools that you can use to help her throughout this mentorship program, in addition to the Geminars and to all the other programming that we do. So we're really customizing it because we want to be able to better help. So these are, these are, that's really exciting for us, for that, for us. And we're in the middle of that research right now with him. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it is really unique um, for a mentorship program like this, just to be yes. so like every single aspect of it is backed by data. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what what makes it really effective. And, you know, you mentioned how the program started off with around 20 girls from one neighborhood in Toronto. And now, you know, we're looking at a cohort of around 200 um, Mm -hmm. from all over the GTA. So where do you hope for the GEM program to be, let's say, in in the next five years? Ah, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a great question. It's a great question. And and one that we're always talking about, because 
So first of all, there is, there's so much need within the GTA. And so we want to be able to grow the program and accept more girls within the GTA. But we're also looking at, oh my God, there are all these different rural areas that don't have access to mentors and don't have access to the services that the GTA has. You know, um, there are so many programs in the GTA that young girls could go to should they not have access to GEM or whatever, you know, uh, whereas in rural areas, that's impossible. There, there are so many barriers. There are so many additional barriers just because access is that much harder. So we want to, to be able to figure out a way to help rural communities um, and girls from rural communities. That's number one. So that expansion also accepting more girls. And we're doing some very exciting things with the alumni. And um, we're really excited about that because we want, so you know how we offer internships in our program. We want to be able to offer um, alumni internships. And so we've been starting to build these connections with different corporations who see the value in this. So who see the value in diverse workforce and also getting from an HR perspective, getting young people involved in the organization earlier. They see the value in internships. They see the value in all of what we're trying to do. So we're making these connections and we're working with them to provide internships for our alum and develop an alumni program. So we're kind of expanding in so many different ways. (laughs) Um, And I think that's going to be really valuable, not only because one thing that was happening to some of the feedback that we were getting our program is only nine months and so when our girls or mentees were graduating they were saying but we don't want to (laughs) go let's do another year let's do another round let's do more um so so that's why now we're at a point where we have a little bit more bandwidth our team is growing so we can say okay let's get on alum um and let's get them their first jobs and let's make sure their career path is on track and that they can continue working with the network and the um, community that they've developed and, and they've been a part of. Uh, there's no point in letting that go. This is a very, very important community for them. So yeah, so it's, it's very, very exciting. And then the other piece uh, of the expansion is Gem Labs, which is that research side of things. We started it last year and it's it, essentially it's a center for evidence-based mentorship uh, research. And that's um, because we've noticed there's not a lot of research in Canada on mentorship. And if we're going to do it and, and we're going to spread that information, we've got to uh, invest the time and the money in that. So yeah, we're looking at that too. Well, I'm really excited to see all of this kind of come into play, especially um, getting the alumni more involved or have more opportunities to them. Because I, I believe that was actually something that was advocated by some um, alum because it's that that feeling like, well, I don't want it to end. You know, it, yeah. it was so nice. <laughs> and even though it is like almost a year long program when you're when you're a mentee, it feels so short when you're leaving um yes I, I I do still like keep in touch with with some girls from my cohort and it's nice to see you know what everyone is doing in their own in their own field now but yeah. it would be great to kind of have that bridge between high school and university or any post-secondary paths and so this is absolutely this is and nice those connections are so strong mm-hmm. right those connections that you make like there are some mentees who met through Gem and then became roommates in college or university later oh, on. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> awesome. yeah sure. And so kind of stepping 
more into the earlier days of gem was there any like aha moment or like an anecdote in your experience that made you really realize like the impact of the program and and what you're doing well there's one i guess one that kind of stands out there are more than one but one you know god i can't even remember the year it was maybe a few years ago we did a summit all pre covid in those glory days um, <laughs> where we could get together. And what we wanted to do was have an event that brought lots of G- girls from the GTA, marginalized and non-diverse, anyone. It was completely inclusive. And we said, we did let the girls, our cohort, design it with another cohort from the Bishop Strong School. So the, they designed the summit and the topic and everything that went with it. So we put on the summit and it was really designed and led by these girls and it was really exciting. And we put out the call and um, for young women to attend and it was on a Saturday. And uh, I remember getting an email and there was a young woman who was coming in from Hamilton. And, um, yeah, so we're kind of cool. And, you know, originally it was not designed for the GTA, but we're, we're not going to say no to anyone. And we, we found the money and we got her in, um, on via and she came and I met her and she was lovely. And at the end of the day, she came up to us and crying, just crying. And she said, I have nothing like this. And I never felt like I belonged in my high school or with my friends or just, this it wasn't what I was interested in. And this, I feel like I'm finally a part of something. And and I just wanted to say thank you. And that that blew my mind. And you know, I got all teary-eyed. And yeah. you know, at Gem, we kind of we kind of joke around because there's a lot of women who work there, and sometimes we get really emotional uh, <laughs> reading either applications or hearing a story. And that really stuck with me because I I had no idea. I had no idea. It was just a little thing. You know, we got a ticket for someone who wanted to come in from Hamilton. We thought it was great initiative that she was taking, but we had no idea of the impact. We had no idea about her high school experience and, you know, what she was going through. But obviously her high school was challenging. She didn't fit in or there wasn't this opportunity for to make her feel like she belonged and belonging, having a sense of belonging to something so important for a young woman and um, clearly made a huge impact. So that's, that was kind of a moment where I was like, wow, I, I didn't. Yeah. It was lots of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave I, it I, there. Would, <laughs> I would probably start like bawling <laughs> if I heard that. <laughs> yeah. It was emotional. Yeah. And, and you mentioned how, you know, potentially in the future, Gem could go into more uh, rural communities and, and I expect yeah. that the impact would be like just more amplified because yeah. yes, it is um, difficult in the GTA as well, but there are, you know, like a lot of resources that are out there. Um, but I expect in rural communities, it's, it's a lot less. Um, and yeah. so something like Gem would be really appreciated. Um, yeah. But yeah, so kind of moving on into, I know we gave a uh, brief overlook into your uh, career uh, through the bio earlier, Um, Mm -hmm. but it seems in almost every role that you have done throughout your career, there's some like aspect of, you know, advocating for policy change or, you know, working for a nonprofit or, you know, advocating for social change in them. And so I want to ask, like, how do you make time in your in your career and life for those kind like incorporating those kind of 
personal values into your work, whether that's like through a side project or volunteering or in your roles themselves? Um, I think so. What I didn't, what you probably don't know about me is I started my career in fashion. Nice. <laughs> so it was not linear. And, and when I was doing that, um, I wasn't happy. So, uh, you know, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but it, I was not happy. Ultimately I was not happy. And, you know, I went back to, to, to school and ended up in graduate school and, and started following my passion. So it was almost from this position of need that there was something not right inside if I wasn't using or follow following my passion and incorporating my values into what I was doing and how I was living. And that was, so I learned that then because I was so unhappy and tried to do that at every stage. So that even if I was working in consulting, which in some cases, it was, I was not doing a lot of giving back or program development or things that I was passionate about, but I needed to do that at that stage in my life, because I needed to make an an income, but I was able to incorporate, you know, be on a committee that I was really passionate about or volunteer with an organization that I felt strongly that their values aligned with mine. Um, and so I'm kind of carrying that forward now, maybe a little too much. <laughs> and sometimes I get pulled in a lot of different directions because <laughs> I really feel strongly about everything that I'm involved with. You know, we do a lot of work helping organizations create their internal mentorship programs. So whether that's for consulting um, and, and we help them, or sometimes I volunteer and I'm sitting on boards and I'm sitting on committees. But it feels right. Whether I'm doing too much, that's my own fault, but it feels good and it feels right. And I think that's what you have to, you know, you have to know yourself well enough to be able to say, is, does this feel right for me? Is this, are, do these values align with my values? And then something clicks, something just feels good. Yeah, for sure. And I remember having this kind of conversation with some girls in the program, actually, about how it feels like you have to choose, well, this career, you know, is going to pay me really well. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents will be happy about it. But then this career, you know, that's kind of what my my heart is leaning towards. I feel the passion there. And so sometimes it feels, especially myself as like the eldest daughter in my household, mm-hmm. it feels like it's like an either or decision, right? But now... I feel more people are realizing that you can, you know, incorporate your personal values into your career, whatever field or industry that's in and kind of make time for both. Like it's not it's not a sustainable decision to, you know, pursue a career just for the income or or just, you know, support yourself financially. Right. Absolutely. Um, You'll probably be miserable um, trying to do that. Um, Absolutely. That's where volunteerism comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. And being able to. Uh, connect with an organization that speaks to you, you know, whether you're passionate about animals, or you're passionate about, you know, the environment, and you know, finding that organization being able to do that. And what's, what's so interesting, because you you touched on a a topic, the research, latest research in in workforce trends, uh, what young people, what employees really value, they're they're socially conscious. They want more fulfilling careers. They want to incorporate their personal values into their career. And so I think employers are recognizing this and they're saying, okay, we have to have a strong corporate social responsibility. We have to work on 
DNI um, and uh, equality and things like that. And they have to have a charitable spin to something that they're doing. So CSR is becoming more and more important just because, as you say, the values for young people, uh, that's speaking to them a little bit more, you know? Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like Generation Z, you know, is not really interested in that traditional nine to five and then you know I'm gonna try to buy a car then buy a house and start a family Mm -hmm. and and it's no longer possible in the same ways also um, because you know the economy is shifting and everything and so they really want to make time in in both their personal lives and careers for things that they're passionate about things that make them happy Um, and I think that's a great shift by the way and so I I really do hope industries also keep up with that change in expectations and it's great to see all the the CSR initiatives like I know Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, GEM itself has you know a lot of these big name corporations that are really passionate about what what the program is doing um, and sees the value of it and, and want to, you know, kind of contribute to that. The Geminars are, you know, hosted in many different, I know when I was in the program, we had one Geminar at RBC, uh, one mm-hmm. at LinkedIn, and it was just really great. And, and the employees at those companies were, were just amazing. They were really excited to, to help bring those, those Geminars together and were impressed, I would say, with um, the energy in the rooms. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't see me now, but I'm smiling ear to ear (laughs) because everything that was, that was the intention behind it. And I'm so glad that that came through and, you know, more and more corporations are getting involved. And and as we partner with them, we want to know that they're not just, it's not just lip service, that they are Mm -hmm. actually infusing you know, values, things that we value. So inclusivity and equality and diversity and, um, you know, into their organization. So we don't just want to check. We want, if we're going to partner with you, we want to know what you are doing in that area, because I think that's more impactful for our mentees. Um, and it forces corporations too to, to sort of say, yeah, I'm doing all of this stuff and, and I'm going to invest money and time into my employees and and in these values. Yeah, for sure. And I know you guys are currently recruiting for mentees. And so if you could kind of speak to the audience for a moment, whether they're potential mentees or mentors, um, what would you say to persuade them to basically be a part of the GEM program? Well, so for mentors, I think the opportunity here, there's a rich opportunity to give back and to make a difference in the community. And, you know, if we want to achieve equality and inclusivity in the boardroom in the future and in C-suite, we need to help the next generation of women uh, and young girls get there. So uh, that is so inspiring. Like for me, I hope anyone who signs up to be a mentor that that is inspiring for them and to come and and apply to be one to the mentees and potential mentees this program is truly it's life-changing it is uh, a, a very good program and you know there are so many women behind this so I'm not taking the credit there are so many women who have put mm-hmm. their heart and soul into creating this program, into designing it, into getting it to the position where it is now. Um, and everything is sort of research driven and the results are amazing. And you will meet wonderful, like-minded young women 
you'll meet so many diverse, interesting young women from different backgrounds, and you will have a connection with a mentor and you will learn incredible things and have opportunities for scholarships and internships. I mean, I wish I had this program when I was younger. <laughs> so um, if it speaks to you, I hope you do apply. Um, we are accepting more girls next year, which is really, really exciting. And we have so many things that I wish I could tell you on the call uh, right now, but we're, we're waiting to announce them over the next coming months. There are exciting things happening at GEM. So um, if you want to be a part of that, sign up, apply. Yes. <laughs> and as a former mentee myself, I would just say, I don't think there's any program that I was a part of in my life that impacted it so profoundly as GEM did. Um, my first internship actually was uh, as a result of the program, I, I got to work with my mentor at a digital marketing agency. And I feel like all those events kind of led up to me interviewing Rochelle today. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a chain sequence. And so I would highly, highly recommend signing up to become a mentee. And I hope that I get the chance to be a mentor uh, in the future, because I would personally love to be a part of the program in that way so I would like to thank on, on that note I'd like to thank Rochelle so much for your time for joining us for giving us such great insight into what the GEM program is and mentorship as a whole the the importance of it and the the impact of it on on young girls and the mentors themselves oh thank you so much this has been an honor and um Thank you for, for highlighting Jen. And, uh, and it's so nice to connect with you again and to see all the great things that you're doing. So I'm so proud. So congratulations to you too. Thank you. And so we're going to kind of end off the episode on a, on a more fun note. Um, I have a few rapid fire questions um, to, get to, know, to get to know you <laughs> more on a, on a personal level. So um, they'll be really quick. Um, casual questions but whenever you're ready I can start firing away fire away are you a coffee person or tea person coffee right now I'm a coffee person okay and two what is your favorite month of the year Ooh. <laughs> that's a hard <laughs> one um I would say I love the summer I love the summer in Ontario. It's just such a beautiful time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, we need that kind of hope right now with the cold weather. <laughs> um, yeah. And this is kind of unrealistic considering COVID, but next vacation destination. Ooh, France. France. Nice. Uh, sweet or savory snacks? Ooh, sweet. Sweet. What's your favorite genre of music? Classic rock nice don't um, laugh at me <laughs> <laughs> no for sure this is a no judgment zone <laughs> uh, what's one thing on your bucket list there's so many things on my bucket list I want to I need to climb uh, a mountain but like an achievable mountain <laughs> so <laughs> not, not Mount Everest, Everest. okay yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll start small and then you know maybe one day eventually <laughs> and so uh early bird or night owl since children early bird early bird for sure and yeah. aim one of your guilty pleasures spa if anybody spa. says spa get me there I'm there I want to be there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of, you know, COVID and everything, my little brother actually has been offering me complimentary massages. So <gasps> shout out to him. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, lucky you. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll give you his business card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm trying to train my kids. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yet. What's your favorite sport? Tennis. Tennis. Nice. And are you a cat person or dog person? Dog. Dog. Sure. Do you have any dogs? Yes. I have a French bulldog um, who snores a lot, uh, who has quite the personality, thinks she runs the house, but she's so cute. She's so cute. So what are you going to (laughs) do? And that's a wrap up of our (laughs) rapid fire questions. Once again, Rochelle, I would really like to thank you for for joining us today. Um, It was great talking with you and I'm very excited to see what the future holds for Gem. I'm also sure the audience as well has gained a lot of value from the discussion. Uh, I would also like to thank our amazing podcast coordinator, Tina Chan, who works behind the scenes, uh, work her magic, and as well as the Ted Rogers Student Society for making this podcast possible. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Make sure to stay tuned to our Instagram at callherceopodcast or our website, trssociety.ca slash call-her-ceo for the next episode of the podcast. See you then.